Hi, church family. I'm so glad that we have this ability to connect online. We're about to go into one of our messages and I pray it blesses you. If it does, make sure you share it with a friend and, and share the love around. Make sure that you click like or subscribe so that you don't miss any of our messages that we upload weekly. And jump in the chat so that we can connect. Even though it's virtual, let's make sure that we connect. So sit back, enjoy, and I pray that you're inspired and blessed. The title of my message is Christian Claustrophobia. If you've got actual claustrophobia, I'm very, uh, this is not all a pun at you, I'm sorry that you have to experience that. Some of you more vertically challenged individuals might experience this within crowds. Um, other of us might just small spaces and restrictions. But the idea that I want to communicate is our God is too big for us to live small. That when we became, uh, came into the kingdom of God, it wasn't just to become a religious affiliates. It wasn't just to come and attend a Sunday service, to be a part of a Friday night youth or a kid's service downstairs. We aren't just a religious affiliates. We came and we followed on Jesus because we needed a savior. And it wasn't just, hey, welcome to the club. Here's a cap. Um, it is our whole life has literally been transported and re-identified by Him. So when it says in Ephesians, it says that um, God predestined us before the creation of the world to be adopted into His house as adopted sons and daughters, that we no longer live according to our previous way of living. No, we lo no longer live according to the historical data in our backgrounds. We are actually living as sons and daughters according to His house rules now. And it says that we, uh, it is no longer I who live, but it is Christ that lives in me. Therefore, I cannot live for myself any longer. The old has died, the new has come. There has been a genetic modification in the spirit realm to put you in a position for discontentment for the way that you once lived. You are no longer small enough to fit in the boxes that you used to frame your life by. Your God is too big. You are now a son and a daughter of the Most High God. If your God is too big to fit into this smallness, you're too big to fit into smallness. And this reality of it, this spiritual transposition into His family means that we are dreaming bigger than we've ever seen before. The mentalities and the descriptions, maybe the family genealogies that have been handed on to us to define our boxes of life, dysfunction lack, victim-mindedness, just me and my family, self-preservation, these sort of boxes, maybe it's been a diagnosis spoken over you, maybe it's a sense that I'll never be able to purchase a house. I'm stuck with this mentality, I'm stuck with what has been given to me. I don't know what it means to, to raise a family in the ways of God because I've never seen that in my own family before. These boxes that maybe we've been given, we're now going to start breaking out of. Because it's your spiritual genetics to live bigger than the box. Your God is too big to be limited to the small. And so what we're going to do this morning is we're going to uh, lean into a, a, the story of Abraham, um, previously known as Abram, which is just a classic name. Not going to name my son that, though. Um, and we're going to lean into his faith journey. 
because in Hebrews, it's actually a reflection on the Old Testament. And uh, he is throwing back and he's saying, this guy lived by faith. And in Faith, Love, Hope, our three statements are, faith dares to believe, giving is the action of love, and hope shouts that you have a future. There is a hope that shouts there is a future when no one else says there's a future. Love and generosity are just synonymous. You can't have one without the other. And faith is always daring for more. There's a sense of, who remembers Who Dares Wins, the TV series? I'm not sure if it was a good show or not, but I remember it. Uh, but there's this sense of we dare because he is good. His, we dare to believe what God says is true. And so as we lean into Hebrews 11, could I sense or could we lay the platform by faith for what God is going to do in this season and in the next 12 months, the next 30 years of this place? Hebrews 11, verses 8. By faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place that he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. By faith, he made his home in the promised land. Like a stranger in a foreign country, he lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were the heirs of, with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to a city with foundations whose architect and builder is God. I don't want to live in a world that is created by my thoughts, my limitations, my expectations of what is possible, but I want to lay my life in a, in a city, in a foundation where God is the builder, God is the designer, and we're breaking out of the box. In verse 11, by faith, even Sarah, who was past childbearing age, was enabled to bear children because she considered him, God, faithful, who had made the promise. And so from one man and as good as dead came descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as countless as the sand on the seashore. Verse 13, all these people still living by faith were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised, but get this, they only saw them and welcomed them from a distance, admitting that they were foreigners and strangers on the earth. No, these people who say such things show that they were looking for a country of their own. They were looking heavenward. If they had been thinking of the country they'd left, they would have had the opportunity to return. That if you are so future-minded, then you run towards your future. But like the Israelites, when they left Egypt, they were just mourning what they'd left. They would have returned if it was not for Moses. Instead, they were longing for a better country, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. The last couple of months, as mentioned, we've been looking at here as in heaven. And uh, that is really our lifestyle as believers, here as in heaven. That's what Jesus prayed. That's our whole point on earth is to see more of heaven come to earth and more of earth go to heaven. More of heaven come to earth and more of earth go to heaven. And so when we're looking at this space, we know that we are citizens of heaven. We are foreigners on this earth. Second Corinthians uh, 
5 talks about that we are ambassadors for Christ. An ambassador belongs to a different country that they're living in. They are a representative of a foreign land. And so we are in the same way as Abraham living in this earth, representing the kingdom culture on earth as it is in heaven. And so faith, love, hope, as we dare to believe more, we will see that become a reality. Now, claustrophobia. Um, very real thing, as I said, there's, there's many fears that go around you. It might be, there's some really long ones that I don't remember that, I've, that meanwhile I would like, oh, wouldn't it be nice to have talked and, about those really long ones that mean like afraid of squares? Um, but there's arachnophobic, who's a little bit unsure of spiders in his place. There was like a half a second shot back there from Grace. It's just like, yep, that's me. Um, <laughs> Uh, you might not like small spaces like claustrophobia. There's other ones. Um, I remember when we were newly married, uh, I made a very big mistake, um, as all newly married husbands eventually will. Good luck, Campbell and Ash. Um, <laughs> and uh, I used to work and leave, have to leave for work at like 5, 5.30 in the morning. And so I would wake up, get ready, make make a tea, make a coffee or whatever, have some breakfast, get ready and then go. Um, and always on the way out, I would just wake Amanda and say, hey, have a good day. And then she'd definitely say, wake me before you leave and then go back to sleep um, because it's 5 a.m. And uh, we don't have kids yet. Uh, <laughs> uh, so I'd, I'd gotten up this morning and I just pulled the best husband move you ever can. Went downstairs, I was making a tea, I was making a coffee, and uh, I saw this little spider in the corner. It looked a little bit chunky. Um, and I'm like, I'm just, I'm the best husband. I'm gonna kill that sucker right here, right now. Amanda's not even gonna know about it. That's how good I am. Um, so I got the spray, because I always like to spray, then hit, because at least if you miss with the hit, there's security, it's gonna die. Someone just needed to know that today. That's a, that's a top tip from the Jensen household. Spray, then hit. And if it's on a wall, it generally falls after it sprays. So keep that in mind. Um, what were we talking about? Uh, so I was spraying before I was hitting, except when I was spraying, it's at that point that I realized there's that rather chunky nature of the spider wasn't the spider, it was all of the little baby spiders that were mounting mum's back there. And so one spider became like 50 in like the course of half a second. Sorry for all of you people out there who are just like envisioning this. It's all right, they're all dead. I sprayed them before I smacked them. Um, but it's literally just like a spray explode of little spiders. And so I'm like, it's all good, I still got this. So I went through getting my flip-flop, my thong, and just whacking the, the little life out of these little baby spiders. And um, then I tissued them up, cleaned them, and put them in the bin, and I'm like, <laughs> praise the Lord. Um, I don't mind spiders, so this is fine for me. I used to catch them as a kid in the bush, so I'm one of those weird genetically modified people. Um, but I've decided that as such a great husband, I better inform my wife of how great a man that she married. And so in my comings and goings upstairs as I woke her, she sort of has that gleary, half awake, half asleep 
And you know how you just take things really seriously and over mishear things in those moments? I'm like, babe, morning, just so you know, I've killed a bunch of spiders. I think I got them all. Have a great day. Love you. Bye. Let me, top tip, don't do that. Uh, particularly to someone who doesn't like spiders very much because that word think becomes there's still them everywhere in her mind. And so she freaked out. But we're not talking about arachnophobic. That just happens to be a funny story. Uh, <laughs> what we are talking about is a sense of claustrophobia, which is a sense of I'm afraid of being restricted by small spaces. And drop the fear, when we're talking about Christian claustrophobia, as we talked about, we're talking about the disposition within us towards heaven that says, I'm too big for the box that I used to live in. I'm feeling a little bit pushed down, a little bit restricted by maybe the ways I used to think, by now the things that I used to accept as normal and now discontentful. And we need a break free of the small way of living because our God is too big for us to live small. And so what we see in this story of Abraham is an example of a man who's saying, I'm breaking free from a few things. We're going to live big, even though I don't know where I'm going, as long as God said it. So let's lean into a couple of statements and a couple of things that we can pull from this scripture, from the life of Abraham around faith that dares to believe and who is discontent with living small, but actually wants to break free and live in accordance to the size of their God rather than the size of their circumstance. So the first thing I've got for you is faith is stepping out from the, oh man, that was going to be so much more potent if I didn't mess it up. <laughs> faith is stepping out from the safe zone. Stay, faith is stepping out from the safe zone. Oh, man, I'll get it one day. But this is the second time, too, I've had practice. <laughs> Verse 8 says, By faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. Later on, it talks about Sarah, who trusted in God, not because of any ability that she had, but because she trusted that God was faithful. So in this space where faith is stepping out of the safe zone, we see that in the same way that Peter hopped out of the boat and started walking on the water, it was a little unsafe, but he was walking in the faith zone. And what we can find in our lives is we can actually become comfortable with our restrictions. We can actually feel more safe in our restrictions that are pushing us back, that are oppressing us just because they're familiar. We can become comfortable with just living the same way, of just living the same narrative over and over again, because at least I know it's going to happen. But in this story, we understand that faith wants us to break free from the historical narrative that we've been telling ourselves. He wants us to break free from the land that we've been living, that we've inherited maybe from our parents. Maybe we've inherited dysfunction. Maybe there's been a culture of alcoholism. Maybe there's been anger being handed down from generation to generation. But what happens when you step in the faith zone is you step out of the comfortable restrictions into what God is calling you, even if you don't know the destination. 
There is a sense that I want my vision to live beyond my history, to live beyond my circumstance, and I want to live it up to the size of my God rather than the size of that. I want to see as God sees. I want my faith to be anchored in His faithfulness rather than in my feelings, rather than my perceptions, rather than my, in my experience. It is a matter of actually holding the Word of God higher in our sense of truth and revelation than what we're actually experiencing. And it's a challenging tension because it requires trust. It requires us to trust the Word of God more than our perception of reality. Faith dares to believe, and these can come in, these restrictive forces can come in any way, shape, or form. Maybe no one in your family has ever graduated from university. Maybe they've tried, maybe they've failed, maybe they've just said it's too hard. Maybe you're the one to actually live outside of the box that's been predefined for you. Maybe you've never seen anyone in your family own their home. Well, my news for you today is God is a God of the incredible things. He's not the one that tried to coax creation into happening. He said, let there be light. And light didn't hesitate. Light didn't wait a little while. Then light happened. So if no one else has owned a home in your family. Maybe you're the first one to break out of the box that's been handed to you because your God is too big for you to live small. Maybe, maybe it's you've tried to raise your kids in a way, but all, of you, all you've ever seen is dysfunction in family and you're trying to recreate a way that you don't quite understand. Well, your God is too big for you to live small. Maybe the child or the, the son, the daughter that you've been praying for for the last 10 years to come in and know Jesus personally, maybe they're still not there, but you believe that outside of the box that's been created for them, they're, they're, your God is too big for you to live small, to believe small and to dream small. I think that this year in Faith, Love, Hope, we need to expand our minds and dare to believe something, not that I can do, not something I can do even do in the next five years, but what is only something God can do in the next 30 years? We are laying a foundation for generations to come in this building, in this place, but what are you going to break in your life that's going to set the generations up after you? Because if one man breaks the chain of alcoholism in his life, he set his granddaughter free as well. What starts with you will continue through you. And so it's this sense of I daring to believe that I want to, even though it's uncomfortable, even though it's a little bit unknown, even though I can't quite see what's going on down there, I'm at least going to step out into the faith zone, faith zone, outside of the safe zone, outside of my comfort zone, and I'm going to dare to believe what God says is true. I'm going to dare to believe that He is bigger, He is more mighty, He is more faithful than my perception of my circumstance. He is a good God who knows how to give good gifts to His kids, and therefore I will trust Him because He says so. We are stepping out from this faith zone. Second thing I have for you is faith goes before revelation. Faith goes before revelation. Have you ever heard the idea that faith is blind? Maybe, maybe you've talked to someone, it's in, in uni, maybe at work, and you're like, man, you Christians, you just blindly believe what you've been given. Well, that's not true um, for many reasons, but 
what I want to present to you, the idea is faith is not blind, it just sees beyond. And you're like, well, that's unhelpful because <laughs> I can't see what I can't see. But it's through faith that we live, not by sight. And in Hebrews 11, verses 1, it's not going to be on the screen unless the media team have gone all like ninja on me. Hebrews 11, verses 1, now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. This is what the ancients, including Abraham, were commended for. Check this, verses 3, by faith we understand that the universe was made. Not by what I see, but by faith that I understand. What is a level of understanding that is actually superseding what I see? It's faith, I understand. I know it seems crazy. I know it might seem impossible, but what is your faith telling you? Not what is your fear telling you? Not what is your worry telling you, but what is your faith telling you? What is in the unseen, that unseen space that Abraham stepped out into that God is calling you towards? What does the next 12 months look like if you surrendered your fear, you surrendered your worry, you surrendered your comfort zone and said, God, I'm stepping out into the unknown. I'm not sure what's there, but I know you are. I'm following you. I'm following Jesus. I'm following your call. I'm following your direction. Maybe it's, uh, maybe it's stepping into a new job. Maybe, maybe previously you've made job decisions out of fear, out of need, out of, out of desperation. Well, what's that next job for you that is going to be made a step of faith? Maybe you don't feel qualified for that pay rate. Well, God is bigger than your box. He is going to set you up with the mentality, we are the hardest working individual as Christians. We have the Holy Spirit living inside of you, and you are more than able to make that way. What is the unseen thing that God is calling you to step out of that comfort zone into the faith zone and move into Him and that reality? Faith goes before revelation. I love in Hebrews 11 when we're talking about Abraham that it says that they did not receive the things promised to them. They only saw them from a distance and welcomed them. I love the quote from Pastor Sam. It says, to have a vision that can be fulfilled in your lifetime is to have a vision that is too small. I'll say it again. To have a vision that can be fulfilled in your lifetime is to have a vision that is too small. And aren't we living in the wake of that truth? We are living in the, the wave of momentum set in motion by His life. What is the wave of momentum that you will set in motion for life after you? We're not just, when we're talking about buildings, and it's not so we can have a nice place. It's not so we can have a, a more seats or more comfortable, and it's nothing like that. It's so we can create space for people out there to come and experience the presence and the transformation power of Jesus Christ in their life. And it's seeing beyond the scene. It is living beyond our life. It is to have vision that extends to generations beyond my own. So in the wake of all this, as we challenge our heart and to start to believe that I want to have a vision that honors the size of my God rather than the size of my circumstance, that you might be feeling a, a, that 
stirring of the Holy Spirit within you that says, you know what, I am discontented with the box that I've been living in, the, what, the, the, historic, the, the history that I've been handed, I'm discontent with it, well, what's the next step? This leads me to my last point and the question that I want to linger on today. What are you believing for? Abraham believed because God gave him a vision to be a father of many nations. What is the vision that you have for your life? What is the vision that you have for your family? What is the vision that you have for your marriage? What is the vision that you have for this region? What is the vision you have for this work, your workplace? What is the vision that you have for your university? What is the vision that you have for this youth ministry, this kids ministry, this church, kingdom builders? What is the vision? What are you believing for? Because once we grab hold of a vision, we have something to hope on. It says faith is the hope is the anchor for our soul. It's something to see beyond and to believe for. What are you believing for? And we will gather together on the fifth of the fifth of June, on the Sunday there, and we will write down what we're praying for for the next twelve months, and we'll write down what we're praising for from the last twelve months. But I, here's my encouragement: Don't wait to the fourth of June to start believing for something. You need to write stuff down now, put it, fold that piece of paper up, put it in a book, revisit it in a week's time, and say, God, is what I wrote down big enough to honor who you are rather than what I'm thinking about, rather than my worries, rather than my history? Is, is my prayer big enough? Because God says, I will do more than you ask, even imagine. Maybe you're going to be ones that invest into the kingdom so we can see the foundation set for generations to come. Is the figure that you wrote down big enough to stretch a little bit to see what God will do through your life? What if every dollar you gave was a soul in the kingdom of God? What are you believing for? What is the vision that you have for? Hebrews 12, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders us and the sin that so easily entangles. Let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes not on our circumstance, not on our history, not on the box that we place for ourselves, not on what has been told us, but fixing our eyes on Jesus Christ, who is the pioneer and the perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of Father, or right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition of sinners, so that you will not grow weary, and you will not lose heart. You know, the best time to plant a tree is 10 years ago. The second best time to plant a tree is today. What are you going to start moving on? What are you going to start believing for today? What are you believing for?